0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We're going to be in chapter 12 today. We're looking at the, the second half that deals with the body of Christ. And uh, we have been, for those of you that are new here, uh, we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, just kind of walking through that together. And uh, this has been um, it's been just great to go through and find these passages within context and see what the Lord wants to tell us, that these things are just as important today as they were many years ago when this was written. So in this letter, we see that Paul is moving his emphasis. He spent the first half of this book confronting the Corinthians and showing them the error of their ways. And not only that, they had written him correspondence, asking him questions. So really, Paul has been dealing with things that the church at Corinth had questions about. And they were in a culture that was, was highly sexualized. It was highly, um, rejecting of any kind of God and teaching and any kind of uh, morality and people were just kind of living for themselves and so as we read these things uh, there's a lot that we could take in today that was happening back then so he knew exactly what was going on and it's applicable even to today so Paul is moving as I said from being Talking to a church that was divided, uh, they were divided by, they thought that there were one of four different pa- pastors that were teaching in the churches in Corinth that were the best. Not that we would ever have anybody that would put pastor against pastor or church versus church and compare and, and shop and all those kind of things. But that's what was happening back then. You can go back and read about that. And so instead of talking about all the things that was dividing the church, Paul is beginning to reshape the narrative into What unites the church? And that's what we're talking about this morning. The first thing that we see is that all Christians are united in Christ. Not just all Homeland Park Baptist Church folks. Not just all Southern Baptist denomination churches. But all churches, if Christ is the reason for salvation is if Christ is the center of worship, then we are all in the body of Christ. And notice what he says here in chapter 12, starting with verse 1. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So isn't it amazing, as as we read that, that the human body is a perfect illustration for the work of Christ and in the life of believers who come from very different backgrounds? You see, even back when Paul wrote this, It was predominantly the Christians back in those days were predominantly Jewish and the Jewish Christians did not want to have anything to do with the Gentiles, which means the non-Jewish Christians. And then when you factor in different races, when you factor in different backgrounds, when you factor in different kind of wealth, because the wealth classes were very strong Back in that day. So that's what was groundbreaking about this church at Corinth. It didn't matter where you came from. It didn't matter what color your skin was. It didn't matter whether you were Jew or Gentile. If you came here to worship Christ, then you were part of the body of Christ. And so we we have been in church all of our lives and we understand that. But to them, the church at Corinth, what Paul was saying was life-giving and groundbreaking. He was counterculture. He was counter racism. He was counter wealth and class. And he just said, look, if we, the one thing that binds all of us together, it's not about what your, your, your lineage is. It's not about the color of your skin or how much money you have in your wallet or where you're from or what you've been doing. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are part of the body of Christ. It was unexpected for them to see this kind of unity in the church and when he says in here he says that they were baptized into one body and one spirit when you go back to the original greek meaning of that word baptize it means to immerse so just a side note here this is one of the reasons why southern baptists believe that when we baptize you baptize by full immersion yes we fully dunk you we go down until we see bubbles, then we lift you up, right? Uh, no, we, we don't look for bubbles. We don't, it's not that drastic. So, I'm never getting baptized here. He's gonna drown me. No, I haven't lost one yet. Uh, but all joking aside, there are many different denominations that feel like you can sprinkle or you can, you know, all these other different things. And and look, I'm not here to take up that mantle this morning, but I will tell you that the term Baptist in Southern Baptist was uh, earned by people that were making fun of us because we believed that true baptism was like Jesus was baptized, was by immersion. So when you see baptism in the scriptures, it means immersion, so it's a scripture thing there. So you didn't pay for that; you got it for free. But back in Paul's days, the word could have been to used to describe the action of immersing cloth into a dye to change its colors. You remember those uh, tie-dye shirts everybody used to make back about ten, fifteen years ago? How many of y'all have one in your in your in your closet? <laughs> All right, I, I don't know if I have any, but um, but I knew that I wore them. But that's the thing is, is that when you take that cloth and you immerse it, you put, you dunk it and put it into this dye and you, it has changed its color. It has transformed into a new color. And so that's kind of the, the word picture that Paul is talking about here when he's talking about being baptized by the spirit into one body and spirit means that the person is fully immersed in Christ, which results in a changed and transformed life, don't take my word for it. Let me show you two scriptures that point to that. The first one, second Corinthians 5:17, says, "This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person." Not a better person, not a cleaned up version of the old person, not a person trying to do their best to meet some kind of requirement. If you are in Christ and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and He comes into your life, it is not you kind of doing a renovation. It is taking you to the ground and building you back up into a total new person. And then we see in Romans twelve two it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, not you have to do it on your own, not that you have to please people, but it says, if nothing else, just let go. Let go and let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's where it starts, doesn't it? Many times we don't see results in our life, whether it be with our health, with our weight, with relationships, with our walk with the Lord. We don't see things change until we start thinking about them differently. And so what he's saying here is that changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The baptism of the Spirit occurs at conversion. The baptism of the Spirit it appears in conversion when the Spirit enters the believing sinner and gives him new life and makes the body his temple of God. And when it says that it makes him the temple of God, makes our bodies the temple of God, the, Paul says our bodies are the temple of God. That way, that reason we must take care of them, right? That, I want you to understand what that means. In the Old Testament, the temple... And even in the New Testament, the temple is where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. So what it is saying is that God is not a part of your life. He's not somebody you can put in a box, put it in your organization of what your life is like. It says that when God comes into your life, he dwells, he sets up his house in your body and in your life. So everything that we do and everything that we go through, God is with us. The good things that we do, God is with us. The bad things that we do, it grieves God because God is with us. He dwells within us. Now I know some of us, we have more room for God to dwell than others. Hey, that's fine. But the truth of the matter is, is that unlike any other denomination or unlike any other Thing that is not Christian, that is not based on Christ. It is not us trying to do something for God to earn his favor. He dwells within us. And so as we go back to what Paul is saying, again, regardless of what your background is, regardless of what your skin color is, regardless of what you have been brought to believe when you accept Jesus Christ, we are all one in that, then he says in verses um, actually before that, let me just say that all believers have experienced this once and for all baptism. Nowhere does scripture command us to seek this baptism because we already experience it, and it does not need to be repeated you don 't run out of the holy spirit folks it 's not like you have to if you Look, I remember back when I was younger and you thought, man, I can take on hell with a water pistol. And then real life happened. Then all of a sudden you're struggling. You don't feel like you're as much or as strong a Christian as you were before. It's not that the Holy Spirit has run out of power and you need to go get some more gas. What it means is, is the things in your life you have made more time for things other than God, which has quenched that spirit which is already there. My folks, if you are a Christian, you don't need more Holy Spirit you need to access what you have because the Bible says that all of us who believe in Christ have it. Now we see many parts but one body as we look at 14 through 26. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, then that does not make any sense or any less part of the body. I'll tell you what, if I don't like... Everyone else. And if I try to dress like everyone else, and if I try to look like everyone else, it does not mean that I am part of the body of Christ. There are people in churches that are playing the part of a Christian, but their hearts are far from God. They may look like a foot, but they're just a prosthetic. They're just there taking space. And what we see here is that don't judge people by their appearance and assume Their spiritual status. God may have sent them to encourage you. You know, just like it said here. It said, "I am not part of the body because I am not a hand." That does not make it any less part of the body. Now, look. I know that we have parts of our portions or parts of our body that you could argue that are not necessary. Kind of like an appendix or tonsils. You know. Some people have those removed, but still they are part of the body. But when you start talking about the body as a whole, we need everything. It's it's a beautiful, a beautiful creation that God has made. These things called bodies and the way that they work together. It says in verse 16, and if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell? How would you smell anything? What Paul is saying is that every person, every part, every body part in the church is important. And it works to the overall goal of others. Now, as we're talking about this, I can see that we're kind of cerebral and we're just talking about the body and and church, and church politics, and our church backgrounds, and all that kind of stuff. But again, context is everything. Remember, we have just been talking about the fact in the previous chapters that there were some that thought in the church that they were more spiritual than others because they had certain gifts, certain spiritual gifts that people thought were better or more popular than other ones. Some could prophesy. Some could teach. Some could speak in tongues. And so what was happening was, is that the church was divided into, there are those that have the good gifts and those that have the normal gifts. And what Paul is saying, look, church, it's not about who's got the great, they're all great, but everybody serves a part. And so we see in verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, you need to use spiritual gifts God has given you to benefit others. You need others to use their spiritual gifts To benefit you. That's the beautiful thing about being in a church. And I would say this to anybody going to any church. If you are going to a church and you are not using your gifts in some way... To build up the church and build up the believer, you're not doing what Paul has told you to do. Because the truth of the matter is, you can say you don't have spiritual gifts. You can say that you don't know what that is. Or you can say that I was when I was younger. But the fact is, the Bible says that God has given you spiritual gifts. And you are to use them to build His church and to build His people until you take your last breath. As I've told these senior adults, and I've told people of all ages, as long as you have a pulse... You have a purpose. There is no shelf life on spiritual gifts. There is no, nothing that says one gift is greater than another gift. Folks, God gave them to you to build each other up and to build this church up. And to not use those, it is like trying to do a three-legged race or trying to fight somebody with one arm tied behind your back. It's just, it hampers the work that God wants to do. It says in verse 22, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I would say something like a heart or a liver or a brain. You don't see those unless you have machines that can see them, but they're pretty important, aren't they? And the body we regard, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those body parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all the parts are Glad. I mean, as we look at this, there are some that you would say, okay, so-and-so, they teach Bible studies. So-and-so, they are a deacon. They are a leader. So-and-so, if we need to get something done, they're the ones that do it. And people just say, "And, and this is what happens in a church. This is what happens in our church. This is what happens in most every church. There are many people that will look around and they will say, we're going to let them do it, and you're fine watching Fine watching. Look, I know who can do it. Well, will let them They're already doing something. Let's let them do that. Oh, they're doing so good. Yes. Oh, we're so proud of them that God is just blessing them. All the while sitting in your pews watching them work when you have gifts that you should use to build the church and to build other people. Because what's happening is 20% of the people are wearing out because 80% of the people refuse to use the gifts that God has given them. God prepared the recipe for Homeland Park Baptist Church many years ago. When I think of this passage, I'm reminded of all the wonderful faith fellowships and senior adults and covered dishes that we've had. Some of you, your standard dish is just that, a standard. We we cannot meet unless you bring that one dish that you're familiar for, that, that you're known for. And we love that. But did you know, as, as great as those pies and those macaroni and cheeses and those Meats and vegetables. I know preacher don't talk about that. We're hungry. i got to move on because, you know, my mouth is watering while I'm talking about it. But here's the thing. I don't know about you, but if I were to take a bite of a cookie or a piece of cake without sugar, it wouldn't stay in my mouth long. Everyone loves the icing and the fluffiness of a cake. But think about the other ingredients that go into baking that goodie that no one sees. What we see here is that we've got what you see here on Sunday morning, but you don't know under all the under ingredients, all the other people that are working to make this, to make this work. I mean, yes, it's, it's important that I preach. I'm not the most important here. It's important that we have teachers and deacons and leaders. That's okay. But we also need people to change light bulbs. We need people to 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 fill glasses with communion juice. We need people to kind of, if they see something needs to be done around here, don't make a note and tell the pastor. Just do it! Don't wait for the pastor or leader to say, would you do something when you already know God has given you the gift to do it! We shouldn't have to beg people to use the gifts that God has given them. The people in Corinth... They were selfish and they were looking at that and they were looking at just a few people and saying that I am better than the other person. But there was not a thing where everybody was working together for the greater good of God and the church. And it's not just Homeland Park Baptist Church. It is every church. Did you know that God prepared the recipe for Homeland Park Baptist Church? And in that, if you look in God's cookbook, you're going to be in the recipe. Without using your gifts, something is missing. I don't know about you, but if you were to take a bite, again, of a cookie or something that was missing something, you would know it right then. So what is the point here? The point is here. Do not lie to yourself by saying, I don't have any spiritual gifts. And senior adults, I love you, but don't lie to yourself saying, I'm too old to use my spiritual gift. They don't have shelf lives. You may not be able to do what you did 20 years ago, but still there is something that God has put in you that God has caused you to do. So you need to do it. Whether it be at this church or whatever it is, some of y'all get mad and say, well, I just didn't appreciate the way he talked to me today. Look, I'm sorry, It's, it's right here. And if... If somebody gets mad and they want to leave this church, fine, go to another church, but use your gifts. I don't want to get to heaven and say, you know, God says, look, you know, come on in, but look at all the stuff you could have done. I gave you these opportunities. I gave you these gifts. And all you did was sit in your recliner and eat Cheetos and watch Dr. Phil and talk about how bad everything is in the world. While doing nothing. Do not lie to yourself by saying I don't have any spiritual gift. To do that is to call God in his word a liar. For you to say that God is not giving. Well he's just not giving me any gifts. So you're saying this lies. Are you, don't, your problem is not with me saying this. Your problem is with God. Because he says everybody gets gifts at the time of conversion. So if you don't have gifts, you either are rejecting and grieving the Holy Spirit, or you were never saved in the first place. That's what the Bible says. At the same time, there are some that may have gifts that they are very proud of themselves. Well, I get to do this. I get to do that. I have this gift of this, and I've got this gift of that. That's the wrong attitude to have, too, because the gift is not something that you honed and you developed and you worked like a career. It was a gift that God has given you. So if you take credit for what God has given you, you are taking the glory away from God. That's what was going on in this church. Your gifts are not to build you up. Verse 26 says your gifts are to build up the church and one another. Well, our third main section here is this. God is the dealer of the spiritual gifts. Verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you are a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed to the church. First, two apostles. These apostles were known as special ambassadors of Christ. Uh, just a note here. Uh, however, God still has his special ambassadors in the church today though not with the same authority of the original apostles. The original apostles were people that actually saw Jesus. Paul saw him in his conversion experience. Disciples saw him. So there are many people that give themselves the titles of apostles today, but it does not carry the same weight as it did back then. Then some are prophets. Then third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the the power to do miracles? Do we still have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages or other translations say tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Folks, though the Holy Spirit gives the gifts, it is good and right for us to desire them. We can ask for them and we can use them as the Holy Spirit gives them to us. But it is good and proper for us to desire them and to submit to God's plan by using them. But Now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all, is what he says at the end in verse 31. And that's going to lead us into next week. As we look at one of the most popular passages in the Bible, I heard it read yesterday at a wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, let us all just love one another. And uh, we are going to enjoy that next week. But as we wrap our time up this morning, dear believer, you are part of the body of Christ. Paul is moving his emphasis in this letter from the church of Corinth being a divided church into a united church. And it will take more than a sermon. It will take more than a song. It will take all of God's people using the spiritual gifts he has given them to build the church. If you are a Christian here today, my friends, identify your gifts and you better use them. Not my words, God's word. I feel, I really feel for those who refuse to acknowledge or use their gifts. I don't know about you, but if for some reason I were to go home today and there was some super sports car, muscle car or something in in the garage, and I said, oh, by the way, surprise, I got this for you. Is that going to happen? No. But if I go in there and there's a big muscle car and I'm like, oh, man, thank you, honey. And I look at this thing and it's got all the all the accessories, the stacks are coming out of the hood. And it just just looks you look at it and it just looks mean and I could get sit there and I could look at it and I could just take pictures of it. I could Instagram with it and all that kind of good stuff like that. But if I never get in it and drive it, I will never know the power it has. My friends, you have got a power in spiritual gifts. And it's not enough to identify them. It's not enough to look at them. You can even kick the tires, but you have to take them for a spin. If you are not a Christian, you can experience power today that you have never seen. But you must accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time this morning. And Lord, again, our invitation is going to be this. It's going to be, we have people in our church and that may be listening to this by way of Facebook that know that they have been gifted and they know they need to do something. They can feel guilty about it for a few minutes and then go on and click on other videos or go get lunch and take a nap and then not worry about it again. But it's not going to take away that nagging knowing of the fact that they are not using what you have given them to further the church. The invitation is to use it. And if you don't know that power, the invitation is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and that you will be able to have those gifts given to you the moment you convert. So, God, may you be with this church and may you be with our time together. If anybody has a decision, I will not leave before we lock up today, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this service. You name me pray. Amen.